pen also for that? Jai Jai Sitchetanya Jai Nichananda 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 Jai Adoita Chandra Jai Agoda Bhakta Vinda Jai Adoita Chandra Jai Agoda Bhakta Vinda Jai Adoita Chandra Jai Agoda Bhakta Vinda Gura Bhakta Vinda Gura Bhakta Vinda Gura Bhakta Vinda Gura Bhakta Vinda Jaya Dvaita Chandra Jaya Gura Bhakta Vinda Jaya Dvaita Chandra Jaya Gura Bhakta Vinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Ram 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Ram Hare Ram Ram Hare Hare Thank you Thank you So yesterday our anchor was the uh, first verse of the success to come and the uh, main theme was really purification. Uh, we're chanting the holy name for purification, and then furthermore, uh, we also realized uh, that there are two aspects in the chanting uh, sadhana. which is practice and kripa which is mercy one can attain perfection through either of these right? uh, it's not all about practice it's not all about us chanting, chanting, chanting and more chanting and then sort of purifying the heart, but rather there is the mercy element um, and, and it's a combination of these two. So, uh, then we uh, also spoke about, uh, at length, about Lord Nichananda and Lord Nichananda uh, somehow or other giving that mercy uh, to very fallen personalities, Jaka and Madai. And we also went to Srila Prabhupada, who was in some theater somewhere, in a university theater, or whatever it was, in the Midwest, in America. And, uh, and they're turning on the whole crowd to the Holy Name, with Allen Ginsberg and Hayagriva. So, that element, uh, the, the distribution element, distribute mercy and the name becomes magic. So 
Well, let's say that that's sort of the ground we, we covered yesterday. And then uh, today I want to go to the, uh, at least to the second verse of the Sikh Sastak. Uh, these verses from the Sikh Sastak, they are found in, uh, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, in the last chapter. So they're the, like the closing of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Now, the Chaitanya Charitamrita is completed in 1615, eh? which is relatively late if you consider that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was uh, on the planet uh, only 48 years and appeared in 1486, right? so which takes it to 1534. Uh, some say 1533 because uh, in India, when they count the age, uh, when you're zero, they say you're one. And when, you're, when your first birthday is passed, you're two. Right? Because the idea is you're in your second year. So then they count like that. In your first year, you're one. In your second year, you're two. So therefore, when in India they count the age, they often count one year more than we would count by Western uh, system of counting. Prabhupada used to also count. He would give his age according to the Indian way of counting. So many times, if you ask Prabhupada how old he was, he would actually say one year more than, than we would calculate by modern times. So possibly Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was only 47 years on the planet. Anyway, a short period of time. Uh, so the Chaitanya Charitamrita was completed much later, uh, some 80 years later, more than 80 years later. So that's like a, a very big gap. And Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami did not meet uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We see that these verses of Shikshastak, they don't come up for the first time in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. They actually come up earlier in the writing of Rupa Goswami, which is known as the Pajavali. Pajavali is a book from Rupa Goswami, uh, which is a verse book. It's a collection of verses, his favorite verses. And it's very nice, actually. I mean, Pajavali, they're just nice verses. Uh, but uh, so in there, the Sikhsastik are there, but not all together. There's one verse here, another verse there. It's sort of all spursed out. It's only Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami who puts it together for the first time. Otherwise, it wasn't like one unit. I mean, in our temples, we chant that, like, you know, all together, Sikhsastik. And so on. Huh? Uh, in a as if, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did it like that, you know. It came in one breath out of his mouth. No, I'm sorry to uh, spoil the fun. It wasn't like that. But our Acharyas, starting with Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, has treated it like one unit and have presented it to us in that way. So when we go on with the second verse, there's a progression from the first verse to the second verse. Uh, in the second verse, again, we'll chant it now. And for those who know it, you can chant with me. 
Nam nam kari bahudani jasarva saktis tatarpitani amatas marane nakala itadrisita bakripa bhagavan mamapi dudaivam idrisam ihajini nanudaga. Um, I'll read the CC translation. But for that. Basically, the uh, essence of this verse is that not perfect, but basically nam nam akari bhagudani sarva saktis, that within this chanting of the holy name, all the energies of Krishna are present. That is the first point. So the name is Krishna. The name is non different from Krishna, and Krishna is unlimited. So therefore the potency of the name is also unlimited. So it's not that we uh, can limit the holy name in any way and think it's very powerful. It's a very powerful mantra. But, you know, uh, very, even very powerful is a superlative which is limited. It's like very powerful. Still we have unlimited, very powerful. No, unlimitedly powerful. The mantra is, there's no limit to the power. So anything can be attained through the chanting. That is the point. The name can give us anything. There is no limit to what the name can give us. That's what it means. Because there's no limit to what Krishna can do. Uh, we cannot limit Krishna. We cannot say that there's something Krishna cannot do. He's the almighty supreme Lord. Therefore, Krishna can transform us as much as he likes. So there's no such thing that uh, we cannot transform. And that, you know, our normal uh, state of mind has to change. I am from Holland, and I don't know if you ever flew into Amsterdam, but if you did, I think you must have seen that there's all these green fields with little square canals around them. You know, it's like a football field with a little canal, and that's Holland for you like endless fields and each one has a little canal and uh, that's how the water is drained because it's low-lying land. So what we used to do as boys, we used to naturally go into those fields and jump over the little canals. But some are bigger than other ones, you know, and then, okay, the one and a half meter ones, any, all of us could do. The two meter ones, okay, you're ready, you know. Uh, Okay, we do. And then, ooh, a three-meter one. Ooh, who's ready for that? Well, um, you first. <laughs> kind of thing, you know. And always someone who goes with at least one leg in the water. Or, you know, sometimes completely in the water. So lots of fun. It was a good game. And, uh, yeah, you know, you know... You know your own limitations, right? 
you know, you know that three meter you can do, you know. I can do, you know, no problem. Three meters, uh, ready. But more than that, can you do four? On dry land you can do four, but can you jump four meters over water? It's, it's more difficult somehow or other. Um, so it's tricky. So anyway, uh, we calculate, and we, and we know at one point, so, uh, yeah, come on, you do this one, uh, it's okay. Oh, wait, because we calculate. So every move in life we calculate according to our capacity, because I know, I know my capacity. And there is this mental thing of, I can't do this, I can't attain this, this is not possible, this is beyond me. It, and the holy name changes it all. Oh, that is the point. It's just like, it just, so we have to kind of switch off this faculty, this mental faculty that limits us. We do it. And psychologists uh, can do interesting tests with people. For example, there was a, a psychology test <coughs> where they had someone read a text, just one page. Now, hidden in that text was the word old. It was just a text, but many times in the text, many, many times, the word old would appear. The old houses in the ancient streets, right? And it just, just like some stupid story. But they build in all these words old. And then the people that after reading that, they, they would move more, more slowly, yeah? as if they were old. They would walk away as if they were old. So, suggestive, not very suggestive. So, it is a fact that the mind tends to limit us, very much so. So, we, we, but the holy name is, is, is not like, like that at all. It has nothing to do with our capacity. So the holy name can give us anything and everything. That's what it means, nita sarva saktis, that all his unlimited potencies are included. It is said, there are not even hard and fast rules for chanting these names. Yeah. So, one can chant the name in any way, and there's benefit. On the other hand, right, and we'll get to that a little later in detail, but on the other hand, there are also uh, offenses to be avoided in chanting the holy name, which in the temple are sort of, or in temples, are recited in the morning. First offense against the holy name is the blasphemy of the devotees, dedicated to love the preaching of the holy name. Second offense against the holy name is considered the name of the vehicle in the pen of the name of the Lord. Third offense is disobeyed or disobeyed the master for the name of the blasphemy of the devotees, dedicated to the pursuit of the holy name. The fifth offense is the name of the name of the devotees. You know, like this, we ha recite these ten offenses in the morning very quickly. Uh, without much feeling and without much care, but we recite them religiously. Um, so that looks like there are rules, looks like a contradiction. And there's a whole list of offenses in chanting. So that seems like, here we go again. <laughs> you know, they say there are no rules and then they come with a whole list that you have to recite every day. 
you know, and one shouldn't chant this way and that way. And I thought you could chant freely. So we'll get into that uh, apparent contradiction a little later. Uh, and finally, I am so unfortunate uh, that although in these names all, all your transcendental energies are invested, although there is no hard and fast rules for chanting them, I'm so unfortunate that I have no attraction for them. So we can we can see in that in, in this initial stage we are still chanting the holy name in practice now in our second so the theme of the second verse is that the name is Krishna. The name is Krishna, and uh, Krishna is unlimited. Huh? So there's unlimited potential. So that's sort of uh, what I'm presenting now. Uh, chanting kirtan is a very, or, or any form of chanting, is an interesting thing. Very scary. <laughs> Another device. So chanting is, is interesting in the sense that um, the name is Krishna, therefore uh, it's us who are chanting, right? we are producing this sound, Krishna, and when we're chanting, we're chanting in the spirit as, uh, we're chanting for Krishna's pleasure, that's the idea. Yeah? We're doing it for the pleasure of Krishna's senses. So this is our offering to Krishna. Uh, at the same time, Krishna is also manifesting. As we say Krishna, uh, we are making an offering, and at the same time Krishna gives us a darshan, because the name Krishna, Krishna is present in the name. So it's interesting how we go from offering to darshan. I think that's a really mystical element of chanting Hare Krishna because uh, 
on the one hand, it's we are doing it, yeah? it's our offering, and on the other hand, Krishna is manifesting himself in the whole thing. So, yeah, that, of course, is a... Well, that, that's, a, that's an interesting dimension to the whole kirtan as a whole. Huh? Because here we are, uh, we are chanting different tunes, but uh, and so on, and uh, we are playing cartels in certain rhythms and trying not to keep, uh, not to go too fast, or, uh, or when you're with me, not too slow, uh, depending on the temperament of the particular uh, singer. Um, the uh, and that's all the offering but meanwhile Krishna is there uh, and, and that makes the whole thing uh, yeah can I say again magic uh, that makes uh, that is what makes it transcendental that Krishna is personally present okay so as I say, I'm using in this, uh, in my presentations, yeah, uh, a certain format, you know. And my format is, I use the six come as anchors, sort of. So this is our anchor. Then I dip into the, uh, uh, yeah, I, I did dip a bit into... Uh, Chaitanya biographies, or in this case, I'll read a little bit from Jaiva Dharma. Jaiva Dharma is a book from Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. It's a very interesting book because it's, it's a novel and it's full of intrigue. Basically, what's going on is there is this. Uh, Navadvip is a place of great learning. This story plays sometime after the disappearance of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But there are some old people living who still have seen Lord Nichananda. I mean, this is sort of, but they're very old now. So, so at this time, the, the, the fame of Nimai Pandit has gone a bit into the background. Uh, uh, but Navadvip is still very, very famous as a place of Nava-Nyaya philosophy. This Nyaya philosophy is a philosophy where one, through logic, tries to figure out what is the truth. And, you know, there are these kind of arguments from, is the... Uh, is the pot holding the air or is the air holding the pot? I mean, stuff like, you have to have a special kind of mind for, these, for this Nyaya. Anyway, what happened is, is that the Nyaya philosophy is an ancient philosophy. But when Buddhism came up, Buddhism entered into debate and Nyaya did not do well. With their, the Buddhists were taking the Nyaya philosophers to the cleaners. So then in Ayodhya, a new Nyaya philosophy was developed, which could defeat Buddhism. And Ayodhya was very proud of it. And Ayodhya, uh, 
in Bihar was uh, they were allowing people to come and study the Nyaya, but they couldn't make any notes. They could not write anything down. And Sarvabhoma Bhattaracharya, he went from Bengal. Actually, his name was Vasudev Bhattaracharya. Bhattaracharya is a Brahmana title. So Vasudev Bhattaracharya, he went to uh, Ayodhya, heard the whole thing, memorized everything, and brought it to Navadvip. And from that day on, Navadvip became the seat of Navanyaya, and it even became more sophisticated than Ayodhya. And so it was Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya who brought it. He got that title, Sarvabhoma, the one who conquers the entire world. So, so this Navanyaya philosophy, Vrajanat, the hero of Jaiva Dharma, is an expert, this Raja, at this, uh, at this uh, Navanyaya philosophy. And there is another one, a Sudamani, a Sudamani Upajaya. And this Sudamani, somehow or other, he is very expert. And he can defeat anyone except Vrajanat. So one day, he goes to the cemetery. And in the night, he sits there next to a grave. And he digs up a skull. And then he performs a ritual. And he calls upon the goddess. And as he is offering oblations in various ways and performing the ritual, clouds are assembling in the sky. And he is performing this ritual with the desire to destroy Vrajanat. The clouds are packing up and suddenly a gust of wind is blowing over the plains. And then a voice in the sky, a female voice, the goddess, says, soon Vrajanat will be no more your rival. <laughs> and all that, you know. Uh, so lots of fun. Uh, is going on, some black tantra, as it's called, is being performed there. And it's, it's one chapter in the book. So the book is exciting. It, it has all kinds of intriguing stories. Yeah. And then, uh, but Ingodrum, one of the nine islands, uh, Ingodrum, one of the nine islands of Navadvip, there is a group of Vaishnavas living. These Vaishnavas are followers of the six Goswamis and they wear the same, the same dress as the six Goswamis. The Babaji Vesh. So, they live very simple and renounced in little huts and uh, they chant the whole day. Uh, they chant at least one, two lakhs of names. Sometimes three. And some are very learned 
they take off their Brahmin threads if they were from Brahmin families because they are indicating they are beyond, beyond the, the Varnashram institution, on the transcendental plane. Then, sometimes these Vaishnavas also engage in ecstatic kirtans, right, where they are deeply absorbed in chanting the holy name. So, somehow or other, Vrajanat, in his research of Nyaya, comes across against descriptions about the glories of Nimai Pandit. That Nimai Pandit was an amazing logician, that there was just no one like him. So therefore, he finds out more about Nimai Pandit and eventually he finds out that Nimai Pandit at one point gave up the study of logic and instead became a Vaishnava. So Vrajanath is shocked. You know, I mean, like how could he give up? How could he give up the study of, of logic? But it stays on his mind and he develops curiosity about Vaishnavism and therefore one day he decides to go to Godrum and board the boat to visit the Vaishnavas there. So Rajanath meets with these Vaishnavas and actually he is impressed. He is meeting with an elder Babaji and has a discussion and he's actually getting quite, he founds it very enlightening. So he makes it a practice to regularly visit and in these visits he becomes purified and gradually becomes interested in bhakti and he asks many questions. And each time there's a big discussion and each time the Babajis have good answers. So the book is unwinding and many philosophical topics come up. Meanwhile the intrigue is not over. Oh no, because the family of Rajanath is getting very worried. I mean, Vrajanath is beginning to show too much interest in this Vaishnavism and, you know, I mean, God knows what he will do. Soon he might just become a renunciant. We bet, therefore, his auntie, his auntie, because his mother is no longer alive, his auntie is very worried and is very serious about making arrangements for his marriage. Then, you know, Meanwhile, she's saying, you know, like, I mean, he's going there to these, 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 you know, these sentimentalists, like, you know, and what to do? He gets totally spoiled by this, you know. Her son, her son who is a politician, he says, no problem, don't worry, I'll, I'll take care of it. And he follows Rajanath and goes to the Babaji's and he begins to say, just after Rajanath leaves, he visits the Babaji's. And he said, oh, I happen to be here today and I just saw that this Rajanath was visiting you. And I must say, out of respect for you, that you should be very careful of Rajanath. Because Rajanath cannot be trusted. He's actually making fun of all of you to the Brahmin community in Navadvip. He talks really bad of you when he comes there. Just that you know.
Meanwhile, he goes back home, meets Vrajanath and says to Vrajanath, Oh, you know, I happened to be for some business in Godrum today and I met these Babaji's and they were all laughing, you know, how they are making fun of a Brahmana. You know, and in this way, he's trying to create politics very expertly. So the intrigue is going on, but to no avail. Vrajanath is carrying on and becoming more and more captured by the Vaishnavas and eventually becomes a Vaishnava, eventually takes initiation and Vrajanath inquires deeper and deeper. And there are many others who also come for philosophical discussions in Jayadadama and it is a book that you should read and I tell you when you start reading it, it's really interesting. It's one of those books because you know, it's, it has three things. It has uh, the story, which is full of intrigue. The setting is in Bengal, shortly after the disappearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So it, it gives a whole description of the culture of that time. So you get like the old Bengali culture in there. And the third thing is you're getting a lot of, you're getting a whole overview of the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. So, in chapter 23, a discussion comes up on Part 11. The Initial Discussion of Nam Tattva. The village of Bilva Puskarini, sorry, the village of Bilva Puskarini, skirted by the holy waters of the river Ganga on the north and west, is set in picturesque surroundings, an exquisite temple of Lord Shiva, named Bilva Pakshamadev, is situated in the village on the bank of a sparkingly clear pond whose waters are cooled in summer by the generous shade of the bordering bilva trees. Not far from there is a place called Balatarana. Nearby, at the periphery of the Navavit town, lies the little hamlet of Simulia, situated with Bilva Puskarini village on one side and the famous Brahmana Puskarini lake on the other. There on the northern side, the main road between Brahmana Puskarini lake and Bilba Puskarini village, the house of Rajanath, is peacefully located. After saying goodbye to his sister, Vijay Kumar, Vijay Kumar is also becoming a devotee, is another person at the same time, so him and Rajanath are sort of together in the uh, uh, hearing from the Babaji's. After saying goodbye to his sister, Vijay Kumar left for home. Nevertheless, after a short distance, he turned around having made up his mind that he could not return home without having properly understood the spiritual signs of chanting Krishnanam. Returning to the residence of his, of his sister, he made her even happier by announcing that he was going to remain for a few days more. That afternoon, Vijay Kumar and Vrajanath were relaxing in the courtyard upon the Chandi Mandap. The sun had traversed the better part of the day 
and was preparing for a breathtakingly beautiful sunset when two Vaishnavas of the Ramanuja Ramanandi Sampradaya disciplic succession with three tilak markings proudly upon their foreheads suddenly appeared near the entrance to Rajanath's abode. After looking around, they chose the inviting shelter of the jackfruit tree in front of the house where they quietly collected strewn twigs with the small crackling fires and began to smoke hemp. Mm. Means hashish. So, uh, Rajana's mother enjoyed, enjoyed showing hospitality to guests very much and observing that the Vaishnavas seemed hungry. She sent them vegetables and grains. Receiving them gladly, the sadhus immediately started preparing a simple meal of vegetables and flatbed rotis that they offered silently to the Lord and then honored as prasadam. Rajanath and Vijayakumar, attracted by their calm, composed countenance and peaceful demeanor, went over to them. Upon seeing the tulsi neck beats and neatly applied tilak marks in the traditional twelve places upon the bodies of Vijay and Rajanath, the traveling Vaishnavas offered respect and invited Vijay and Rajanath to join their serene gathering upon a welcoming outspread blanket. To Rajanath's question about their intentions, one of the Ramanandi Babas replied, Respected Maharajas, we are on a pilgrimage to Ayodhya, and along the way we've come to trace out Sri Dham, desiring to see the sacred places of Sri Chaitanya's pastimes. Rajanath said, Well, you have arrived in Navadvip, for now a proper rest, and then you may take darshan of Sri Yogapit and of Sri Angan. Expressing great joy, Sri Angan is the house of Sri near Yogapit. Expressing great joy, the Sri Vaishnavas chanted a verse from the Bhagavad Gita. Yet vartante One who reaches my spiritual abode never oh sorry, I did something. Oh. One who reaches my spiritual abode never returns to this material abode again. So uh, some discussion took place, and I'm skipping a little bit because I can't spend the whole day reading. But uh, at one point, Vijay Kumar inquired about the views of the Sri Sampradaya upon Nam Tattva, the principles of Harinam. Talking together afterwards, Vijay and Rajan agreed that they were not satisfied with the answers they had received. Rajan had commented, Uncle, I've pondered over this topic for quite some time and have come to the conclusion that taking the shelter of Krishna Nam is the most beneficial and auspicious practice for the jiva. The Lord of our hearts, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, came into the sacred land of Mayapur Dham for the sole purpose of propagating Sudha Krishna Nam. Sudha means pure. In fact, yes, just yesterday, Srila Guru Dev repeated the point that of all the different limbs of bhakti, chanting Sri Nam is the most important. He urged us to properly realize Nam Tattva, let us go right away this evening and learn from Guru Dev the esoteric science that is Srinam Tattva. Okay, so I'm skipping a bit. But they came to the Babaji in the evening. Um, Vijay Kumar replied with folded hands, Benign Guru Dev, by your mercy, everything is auspicious for us. 
Please guide us in understanding the profound significance of Nam Tattva. The face of Raghunadas Babaji immediately lit up with joy, and he began to speak. There are two categories of Harinam, Mukya and Gonya. Okay, now that I should write down, eh? Okay, so it is like mukya means direct and gonya means indirect or sometimes translated here as primary and secondary. Um, now let me see where I was. Um, From the time of creation of the universe, those names of Krishna that are associated with the material nature are gonya nam. Secondary names, for example, Srishti Karta. Srishti means creator. Srishti means creation, and Srishti Karta means the one who does the creation. So the Srishti Karta, the doer of the creation, literally. So translates the creator, Srishti Karta. Jagat Pala. Jagat means universe, and Pala means a protector, or so the universal protector or preserver. Visva Niyanta, the universal administrator. Visva means universe Niyanta. Visva Palaka, the universal maintainer. Paramatma, the super soul and so on. The word Brahman, although free from the modes of material nature, is also a Gonya Nam. So these are all Gonya Nam, indirect names. Now, then he gives some example of Mukya Nams. And he says, Mukya Nams are, for example, Narayan, Vasudev, Janardhan, Rishikes, Hari, Achuta, Govinda, Gopal, Ram. These are primary names or Mukya names, direct names. So, the Mukya Nam are of the spiritual sky and are non-different from the Supreme Lord himself. The most fortunate souls in this universe attract the attention of Mukyanam with the purity of their bhakti, and Mukyanam dances upon their tongues in pristine glories. The Mukyanam have no connection, no connection with this phenomenal plane are endowed with the complete Shakti of Sri Bhagavan. They descend to this mundane illusory sphere to annihilate Maya. Therefore, the conditioned souls of this material world are would have no better friend and well-wisher than Harinama. Harinama, 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 Hida Kevalam, Kalona, Stevena, 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 Katilamita. Harinama is my life and soul. Harinama is my life and soul. Harinama is my life and soul. In Kali Yuga there is no other way, there is no other way, there is no other way to attain spiritual perfection other than the chanting of the holy name.
Harinama's wonderful unlimited powers and uproot all the sins of the conditioned souls burning in the great fire of sinful life. The Karuda Purana states, oops, uh, so many verses actually now are given as evidence. But let us first digest this, this point for a moment. Uh, so the primary names are names of the directly of the spiritual world, and the secondary names are names that deal with Krishna taking care of material affairs. So we are chanting primary names. Uh, of course, our first and foremost name that we chant is, uh, is Krishna. Uh, uh, but we also chant the name of Lord Ram. The name Ram in the Maha Mantra refers either to Lord Ramachandra or to Lord Balaram. Right? And, uh, and sometimes it is said even to Lord Parasaram, he's also a Ram, so to all the Rams. But what, once there was an argument in, on the Hyderabad farm between two sannyasi disciples of Srila Prophet, and one was saying, the holy name means Ram. Ram. The other said, no, the name Ram means Balaram. And they finally put it to Prabhupada. The Prabhupada said, both. It means Balaram and Ram. Both. Both are included. Uh, what does the Maha Mantra really mean? Well, we can, of course. The word Krishna, uh, who, who will tell me, means? Yeah. And, and how do we get to that? <laughs> yeah, you knew I was setting you up. <laughs> you walked straight into the trap. <laughs> okay, well, the word Krishna can be broken up in two words. Krish Datu, that's the root form, Krish. And the second part is Na. So Krish comes from the word... Oh, well, I'll tell you a story just to make it a little more entertaining. Once upon a time, I was in India and I was giving a talk and I spoke about Krishna and uh, was in Kanpur in a university lecture. And at the end of the lecture, there was this aristocratic-looking gentleman who started to... And I know, I knew, He's going to say something. And sure enough, he did. You know, I mean, a stream of words was flowing from his mouth. And he said, Oh, oh, you spoke about Kristatu. Kristatu. Ka, for Kala, Ra, for Rakta, Sa, for Sukla. Yes, uh, which means Kal for black, the blackish incarnation. Ra for Rakta, the red incarnation, and finally, Sa for Sukla, the white incarnation. The white incarnation is Kapila, who appeared in Satya Yuga. The red incarnation is Lord Yagya, who appeared in the Traitor Yuga, and the blackish incarnation is Krishna, who appears in the Dwapara Yuga. So in this way, Tri Yugi Narayan, he says, ah, Tri Yugi Narayan. 
So then uh, I said to him, I said, uh, Sir, I must, uh, I must uh, congratulate you for your explanation of the Chris Datu because it is true that actually all the manifestations of Lord Narayan are included in the name Krishna. Krishna is avatari and all the avatars are included in him. He's the source of all the avatars. Is it our Acharyas, the Vaishnava Acharyas, they give an even more wonderful explanation of the Chris Datu. They say that this Chris Datu comes from the word Akarsa, which means to attract. And then the word na would come from anant, which means happiness. Okay, so by that time the man was getting totally ecstatic and he said, Ah, ah your explanation is better than mine. Later I found out that this man was a, uh, the head of a Sanskrit scholar, uh, college, and a, and a great scholar himself, a professor. And, well, I, uh, when it comes to Sanskrit, I'm just a village pumpkin from Holland, you know what I mean? I really like me and Sanskrit. I mean, I'm quite backward when it comes to Sanskrit. I'm just showing off, you know, with this one. <laughs> That's all. Uh, so, but somehow or other, because I repeated the words of the Acharyas, I was, me, village pumpkin, could give a be better explanation of the Chris Datu than a Sanskrit professor from Benares. So, that was something. Uh, so, yes, Krishna means the all-attractive. And then uh, Hare is the vocative form of Hara. Uh, and it is referring to the Ladini Shakti, um, the pleasure potency of Krishna. So Hare is therefore said it's either Simata Rani personified or anything that's part of the Ladini Shakti devotional service. So,
Srila uh, Bhakti Siddhanta gives one other explanation of Krishna, another translation which I like, and that means uh, he translates Hare Krishna as the one who can be attracted by devotional service. So that's referring to Krishna. So that's also a translation. The one who can be attracted by devotional service. Uh, yeah, if you, you're still writing here, so I'll leave this for a while before we go to the next page. And, uh, yeah, then we come to... Uh, so you can write this down from Srila Bhakti Siddhanta. I, I won't write it down. But what an alternative translation of Hare Krishna is one who is attracted by devotional service. And then we come to Rama. Well, there is a verse, Ramanti yogi no nante satchananda siddhatmani iti rama padena so param brahma vidyate. And basically, that verse means that one will enjoy happiness which is beyond the three modes of material nature, or transcendental happiness. So, Rama means basically transcendental happiness. So the holy name simply means by devotional service to the all-attractive, the result is transcendental happiness. And that's like the, now we have given a and the other verse, I think.
So this is like this this is the verse that actually gives us like the meaning of Ram. And basically by taking shelter uh, at his lotus feet, we get this Satchananda Chitatmani. We become situated in this eternal uh, eternal happiness. The Ramanti Yogi know ante the, the end of all enjoyment that a a yogi or a, or a devotee may experience is this Satchananda Chitatmani, this eternal transcendental, to become situated in this eternal transcendental happiness, and uh, which is transcendental to the three modes of material nature. It is Param Brahma. So, uh, well, I've, I've tried to sort of give a little uh, background on this, on, on the holy name. Uh, there are many verses here that Bhaktivinoda Thakur is giving uh, as evidence in Jaivadam chapter 23 that the holy name is taking away all sins. Uh, and there's one in particular which uh, is a verse that somehow or other it, this verse I would always forget and I hope I can do it today I'm not sure you know I don't know what it is but this verse was jinxed and I was always forgetting something of the verse until one day I took a taxi in Bombay and the taxi driver recited this verse to me and then my false ego got the better of me. So since that day I can remember the verse. You know, a, a swami defeated by a taxi driver, that was too much for, for me. So then I was able to learn it. So here we go. Nam nam yavati shakti papa nirharane hare Tabat kartum avat nuti patakam pataki naraha. Taxi driver was better. Anyway, that verse is very interesting because it says that if you chant the holy name once, you will destroy more sins than you can commit in a lifetime. Okay, so let us all just say the holy name once, just for the heck of it. Hare That's the whole Maha Mantra. That's not even the holy name. That you get many lives for that. Extra lives. I mean, so the, the, the potency is something... And I think that's, that's, that's uh, part of our meditation today huh? is, is uh, this aspect of the, uh, the potency of the Holy Name because it, it will obviously increase our appreciation. You know, the, the bigger we understand that the Name is and then the, more, yeah, the more we actually appreciate what we're doing. And of course, yeah, you get descriptions, you know, about descriptions uh, about the lotus feet of Nam Prabhu, yeah? 
And I kind of like that, you know, that the holy name has lotus feet. I don't know if you like it, but I sort of think, that's cool. That's yeah, sort of non different from Krishna. Krishna's lotus feet, so the holy name is lotus feet. So, in this way, we can meditate before we go on our break on the lotus feet of the holy name, just so that we can, uh, next time we chant, you know, Hare Krishna, we see the lotus feet of the holy name in front of us. Um, hearing is an important element, and I'll just tell you. Uh, and one more story of my own life, since today I'm using some biographical stories. Uh, before I was a devotee, I was into music, and one day in Amsterdam I encountered this American musician. Uh, his name was Burton Green, and uh, we were having this, uh, <coughs> some jam session. Um, and... Uh, at one point, <coughs> he suggested, why don't we do uh, ragas? So I had been in India, and many people at that time had been in India, and India was just a happening place, you know, in this, in the late 60s, uh, early 70s. So uh, I was uh, proud of my two, uh, two ragas. And so we did it. I played guitar, he played piano, and... Uh, he knew some raga, and I knew some raga, and we were playing. And uh, then after he said, uh, why don't we do some mantra also? And I was thinking, yes, raga, mantra, nice. It's all spiritual sound from India. You know, as I was thinking, some mantra, mantra is some sort of mystic spiritual sound. Oh, you feel the vibration. <laughs> Mystic. Huh? So then he started to chant the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, play piano and so on. Um, interesting. Later I read the Prabhupada Lilam Rita, and it said that in the early days of the matchless gift storefront, the devotees won. They found an old string board of the piano and they brought that to the Master's Gift storefront. And it said, particularly one piano player named Burton Green used to hammer the strings during the kirtans. I got the holy name in Parampara. This is it. Anyway, but what I got from that was the mantra is spiritual sound. And I had no further understanding. I, I didn't see the mantra as Krishna. I didn't understand that, yeah, there was non-difference between the mantra and Krishna. Just thought it's spiritual sound. I didn't have full understanding. Nor did I get any picture of Krishna, you know. Now if you say Krishna, what do you see? What do you see? Krishna, what do you see? Okay, Krishna, what do you see? Oh, what is Krishna? Krishna, what do you see? Krishna, what do you see? Krishna, what do you see? A blue boy. A blue boy. Hey, finally, someone's seeing. <laughs> All the others give names. What do you see? Huh? A flute. He has a flute. Okay, what do you see? That's a blue boy on the, on the Mahantra picture that I have. Okay, and what else? 
the man on trial, I always, I always think of the, the, the holy name. It's the easiest way for me to, when I'm tired to think of Krishna. Okay, we're going to try it over there. What do you see? The blue boy with the flute. Okay, everyone sees the same. Jesus. <laughs> and what do you see? I see Krishna with Garvin voice. Ah, what else? He's like on the forest grass eating cues. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And you? I see that he's in Gopinath. You see Gopinath here in the temple? What's he wearing? Huh? He's got a shiny outfit. Shiny outfit. Uh -huh. What do you see? He got feather flute and eyes. Eyes, huh? Yeah. And you? Yeah, yeah. You. Blue boy with the flute. And okay. the peacock feather again. <laughs> and the peacock feather. I see. Yeah. I, I, I'm going for a feeling. Huh? I'm going for a feeling. Yeah, well, you know, like, yeah, what do I see, you know what I mean? I see Krishna, I see his reddish lotus feet right? at the bottom, they're reddish, you know. His nails are like mother of pearl, right? His color is not blue at all, it's rather, it is sham. That's not blue, it is blackish blue, like a, like a rain cloud, but that rain cloud in the monsoon season in India, it's like, you know, the sun gets brighter and brighter day by day in the hot season. And then when the, finally the monsoon clouds come in to Vrindavan as a little relief of the heat, then the sun is so bright that it shines through the clouds. The clouds don't cover the sun. The clouds shine through the sun and then the blue from the sky reflects in those blackish clouds and as a result, you get that unique color which the Vrijpasis, when they see it, they call out Sham. I see that Krishna. He has lotus eye. He has kajal around his eyes. He has these black lines to keep the flies. His mother put it there since he was a child. And later on he puts it there to look good. Uh, kajal he has. Right? He has a lotus navel, lotus mouth, lotus hand and lotus feet and lotus eyes. Right? Uh, yes, his face is like, is like the moon, huh? it is said. He has, uh, his hair is blackish, bluish. And what is the color of his eyes? Ah, what's the color of Krishna's eyes? Huh? That's right. You know, the color of Krishna's eyes. Krishna's eyes are described like black bumblebees. Restless like black bumblebees. Uh, so like this, okay, we can go on with this for a little longer. But the point is, is that after hearing, everything changed. Initially, all that I knew was spiritual sound. But after hearing, uh, everything changed. So hearing gives a whole different dimension to our chanting. Therefore, like, 
this hearing session, these hearing sessions, they have relevance. They have relevance because when we go through these hearing sessions, right, then we enter into the chanting in a different way. It changes our vision, gradually, but this is the purpose. So, with this, uh, after this explanation, we have heard about the lotus feet of the Holy Name. And meditating on the lotus feet of the Holy Name, we now take a 20-minute break. <laughs> and it is 12.20, that means at 12.40, we're back here. And then we'll have discussion again for the second hour. <coughs>
So your turn again. Any questions, any, any comments, whatever? Reactions? How do you chant Sudanam? How do you chant Sudanam or the, the pure name of Krishna? Um, by um, by having only one desire to please Krishna. Yesterday I spoke about purity that may exist on different levels. I spoke. I used to actually, from the Bhakti Sandarbha, the person who, the Vaishnava who stands with two feet in the material world and his eyes are on the spiritual world, then one who is with one foot in the material world and the other foot in the spiritual world, and then one who is with both feet in the spiritual world. So it says, when Narada Muni was the son of the maidservant, he was hearing from the Bhakti Vedantas, and he very purely followed all their instructions. And then he was meditating in, under the tree, as they had said to do. And then he got the darshan of the Lord. And the Lord appeared before him, and the Lord said, uh, and then the Lord disappeared. So then Narada, he was only five years old. So when that happened, so he became emotional. And he became angry that the Lord had disappeared. So then the Lord reappeared and said to him, I've come back, but only to tell you that this life, you will not see me anymore. But if you faithfully follow everything, then you'll see me in the next life. So in this way, uh, that's called, that was the state of two feet in the material world and the eyes focused on Krishna. Then Sukadev Goswami, when Sukadev, Sukadev stayed in the womb of his mother for 16 years because Sukadev was thinking that, uh, why come out? Huh? Everything is, is simply one of the same spiritual nature. And if I come out, I only have, have a greater risk of falling down to Maya, so better I stay here. So from the impersonalist point of view, it was a better condition. So then when Sukadev was told Srimad Bhagavatam, in other words, when he was told while in the womb about devotional service, then he realized that there was an advantage to coming out. So he came out and he was a 16-year-old boy and he didn't bother for any upbringing from his father. He just left home straight away. And as he left home, he didn't even bother to wear clothes, so he walked naked through the world. And it happened to be so, he, he went over a forest path, and in this forest there were some girls, and they were all alone by themselves, and they were swimming in, in the pond, so they had taken off their clothes, and they were naked. So, when Sukadev, however, walked past, they could see that he has absolutely no thought of, of lust or anything like that. He is completely, he has no, no attraction or no thought to this effect whatsoever. Therefore, they didn't cover themselves and Sukadev just walked past. But Vyasadev, he followed 
And Vyasadeva was in a white dress of a Grihastha, so then the girls quickly covered themselves. Because after all, internally he may have been on the same level as Sukadev, but externally he was a householder, so making a distinction. So in this way, uh, Sukadev is the devotee who has one foot in the material world and one foot in the spiritual world. And then Nardu has his uh, both feet in the spiritual world is the Narada in the spiritual body who is just always chanting and traveling around the universe and so on. So, uh, what can we say? There are different levels of pure chanting. Yeah. But pure chanting begins where one is not, when one is not pursuing anything else, when one is not pursuing any other desire, one simple desire, chant, act for the pleasure of Krishna only. That's when pure chanting begins. So it has to do with the state of, of our heart and uh, where we're trying to satisfy other desires or not. Well, uh, when Krishna is pleased, we also become pleased. Not just for a few minutes, but really in a lasting way. When we ourselves become, you know, lasting, ple lastingly pleased, right? P permanently pleased, then we know that Krishna is pleased. Yeah. Just like, how can we know we make spiritual advancement by that our that we become free from material attraction and then we just focus on Krishna. So then when we focus on Krishna, then Krishna is pleased and then we get a permanent inspiration, a permanent happiness. That's when we know that Krishna is pleased. It's of course like you know attentive chanting is uh, is emphasized is very important and uh, and our mind wanders here and there and uh, we find it very difficult to focus. Uh, the more we become attracted to Krishna, you see, it's like something like bathing in the in the Ganga. If you if you're in Mayapur and you go into the Ganga. Then on the shore, the water is, is, there's a current, but it's not so strong. And if you want to move forward, you have to, you know, either walk or make swimming movements. But when you go deeper into the Ganga, then at one point the current will just grab you. And there's nothing you can do anymore. The current will just take you away. So it's the same with the chanting, that in the beginning, 
we are pushing ourselves in the chanting. And later on, we'll just become captured and the, 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 the name will just, like a current, it will just take us away. So, in this way, uh, in the beginning, we think pure chanting is like somehow or other focusing our mind on, on Krishna. But in the stage of bhava, it's not like that. We just become swept up and dragged along with the current. And Srila uh, Prabhupada in his uh, Chaitanya Chandramrita, right? Chaitanya Chandramrita, is, uh, is writing that in the stage of bhava, Krishna appears in our meditation. So first we are like meditating. Uh, yeah. Hare Krishna. See the flute. You see the peacock feather. Hare Krishna. Lotus eyes. Krishna Krishna. Hare Hare. Lotus feet. Mother of pearl nails. Hare Rama. Uh, okay, we, we can push our mind to remember Krishna. And the more we remember about Krishna, the more uh, the name will come to life. But in Bhava it's not like that. In Bhava Krishna is just manifest to us. Nama, Rupa, Kuna, Lila, we actually will, it says in the chanting, the form of Krishna will manifest, the, Qualities of Krishna will manifest, the Leela will manifest. So in Bhava this actually happens. One will begin to perceive all these things. It's there where that happens, for real. How is that different to the, in, in the mind? So in the mind you're seeing, you can imagine like you said, Krishna's... That's imagining, because you imagine. So then you're, you're not imagining, you're actually seeing. You actually see, you get a darshan in the mind. Krishna actually appears there. Whereas, you know, when you say Krishna, what do you see? And it's sort of like, okay, mental picture of Krishna. Now what do I see? Yellow dhoti, bluish blackish complexion, flute, peacock feather, three bands form, you know, Krishna. But in Baba, actually begin to see Krishna. So that's where Sudanam begins in its in a very developed form there is sudanam before that in nista there is sudanam see there is you're all familiar with these stages of from strada to praying maybe i guess you have heard these things before is it or should i get into this huh? i should quickly do this well, you know. <clears throat> Let's say we go from down up.
I'm just writing a Sanskrit and I'm just going to say what it means and you can yourself write the translation if you want to. Shraddha is referring to the initial faith. Sadhu Sangha means the, the association of devotees. Bhajana Kriya means the regulated process of devotional practices. So the, all these devotional practices that give a certain benefit um, includes initiation also. Anartha Nivriti is the uh, process of taking the stumbling blocks from the heart. Nista is the stage of firm determination. Uh, Bhagavati Bhavati Naistiki says in Bhagavatam and Prabhupada says Nista means 70%, 60% purified. So more purified than having material desires. Therefore, one is no longer controlled by the material desires because at least because one consciously always chooses for the spiritual side. Therefore, in Nista, one will naturally start to chant a beginning of Sudanam. Uh, one will purely chant the holy name. Then comes Ruchi, means taste. One will now greatly relish the chanting of the holy name. Then comes Ashakti. That taste that was there before now goes very deep into the entire consciousness. And one is very much attached to Krishna. I missed Bhava here, so oops. Fortunately, there's some space. So then, there's Bhava. And Bhava is the stage of, of ecstasy. So that's even more pure chanting. So, you know, there is pure chanting, more pure chanting, and most pure chanting, which is in Krishna praying. So like, Bhava is the beginning of deep, overwhelming emotions. It said, but it is prema suryamsu. Bhava is like a sun ray of, of love, whereas Prem is the full sun at, at 12 noon. So it's of the same nature, but Prem is much stronger. So uh, when you see Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you know, the descriptions of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's chanting, that's just, uh, it's totally beyond his control. And he's not like, uh, no longer conscious, he's just, just completely responding uh, from a deep emotional platform. There's no such thing as, now I'm chanting. And he's like, you know, look, okay, now I'm chanting, now I'm, there's no element. See, in, in, oh, yeah. In the stage of initial phase, Shraddha, you think, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna try this chanting. You know, I think I think it's okay. It's nice. I'm gonna do it. in Sadhu Sangha. Well, everybody's chanting, and it's it's actually very stimulating to be with devotees. So altogether, it really gives a boost to my desire to chant. 
Embogena Kriya, yes, this is part of the process, and now I'm learning actually what that process is. I'm learning what is the meaning of the name, I'm learning about the, uh, the Sikhsastik, or uh, I'm learning Harinam uh, Chintamani and the Ten Offenses, uh, like and all these kind of things to avoid. I'm learning how to properly chant the Holy Name to get the most benefit. Then, what is the first benefit is that all the impurities begin to disappear. Um, this is Chaitodarpanam Marjanam Bhavamahalavaktinirvapanam. And the mirror of the heart now becomes purified. Then, we get Nista. It's said, sometimes it is said that from here on, spiritual life is all uphill. At this stage, it's like pushing the old car of your spiritual life up the hill. It's heavy duty, right? And here at Nista, you get on top of the hill. Boy, that was a long push. And then, after this, the car of our spiritual life will just be freewheeling down the mountain. And a praying. You know, your wheels are not even touching the road anymore. <laughs> Stop clicking that. <laughs> yeah. So is this always a linear progression? Or do people come in at different points? And now, that's a very good question. And this comes to my second point. Let me just take this off. Let me smear this stuff for a little bit. Is it always a linear progression from the bottom? Stepwise. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it a little different. I'm gonna, oh. so. Okay, I'm gonna make it in a in a in a box graph form now. So this is our, oops, minimum line, and let us say, strata. Uh, you, you don't just get some strata on your own. One day you suddenly get some strata, right? some initial faith. No, you had some sadhu sangha. Generally it begins with sadhu sangha. So let's say the sadhu sangha was actually more. You first got the sadhu sangha, the beginning of sadhu sangha, then you got some strata. Then, you know, as the, from the sadhus you learn something about Vajina Kriya, BK, and you know, from the very first moment that you met the sadhus, or that you came, already some purification went, went on, A-N, was there, huh? Well, and with that, you got a slight little bit of, of niche, of Nista, right? You got a little determination, because you had a little bit of taste, ruchi, yeah? And in that way, you know, a little bit of attachment to Krishna begins to develop, and you could say in this way, a little bit of these other things also begin to develop. Then, you know, as we are doing some more of this bhajana kriya, yes, uh, our faith is also growing a bit. We get, uh, we learn how to deal with devotees better. We learn how to be more respectful with the devotees. 
our association grows and gradually our shraddha, our anartha navriti goes on and these things are still kind of a little dormant. Uh, but now our faith is mature. It has come to the minimum level, you see. And therefore we are fixed. We're fixed. You know, and we begin to uh, get more, more serious about devotee association. We begin to value it. We want it. We reach the level. Uh, we fix our bhajana kriya. We reach this level. Okay. Uh, and gradually the anartana vritti goes on. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, uh, these develop a bit more. So, as we say, we come above the minimum line now. So gradually it all comes up. So it's not always a linear progression or a, a, a ladder type of uh, model. This is the box graph model, where you see that all these things are kind of simultaneously coming in. Uh, the, uh, the point, though, is that... Uh, and you always go back, you know, as you are in Nista, let's say, your sadhu sangha will change. It will mature. You get it much. When you are in Baba, you know, if you meet a sadhu, you'll just uh, have an ecstatic embrace. It is said that Nichananda was roaming around the world and had never ever seen anyone who had love of God like he had. And Madhavendapuri was roaming around the world and never met anyone. He met so many pious people who had faith in God, but they did not have love of God. No one did he meet who had actual love of God like he had. Then one day, Nichananda saw Madhavendapuri, and Madhavendapuri saw Nichananda, and when the two saw each other, they just roared and then embraced each other, crashed to the ground, rolled and kicked, and just, while the disciples of Madhavendapuri were like, watching the whole scene. Um, all that is going on in, that is Sadhu Sangha in, uh, in Prem. Uh, it's another level of, you know, so, you know, we should associate with devotees, Prabhu. Yeah, yes, yes, that's very important, devotee association, really. It's the tip, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, this mood of, uh, you know, it's very important, devotee association. Where would you put that? Huh? Shraddha is still under. Under? Under this, this line. Oh, okay, you're, you're, you're with the graph. Yeah. And in the ladder, where would you put it? Pretty much near the bottom. Yeah, think about it properly. You would put it, yeah, it definitely below Nista. You know, it's, it's the, this kind of mood can exist in all these four stages, yeah, where, where we are following devotional service according to rules. Where we're in these initial stages, we're following a system of rules. I'm going to deal with it. And why are we following rules? Because we have two natures. Our lower nature and our higher nature. And we're following the rules to protect ourselves from our lower nature and to cultivate the higher nature. Here, higher natures become predominant and then straight up. 
But up to here, we're fighting with our lower nature. That's why it's uphill. Now's your turn. Um, yeah, I have a question about Shraddha. Um, what's wrong if someone has association of devotees and eats prasad and listens from scripture, scriptures, but still he has problems with faith and he can't develop further because the faith is not there. And mm -hmm. I don't know how to help such persons, how to develop this shraddha. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, the shraddha, you know, it's, it's like, sometimes we wonder how can we hypnotize the people mm -hmm. uh, so, so that they will take it, you know? Um, no, it is actually saying that before someone can make a conscious choice, there first is a need for Agyata Sukriti, unconscious spiritual advancement. So, you know, ching ching boom, ching ching boom, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, lunatics, you know, like, I mean, look at that. Hey, you know, took the bed sheets. Uh, right? People have no idea, but they hear the holy name and become purified. Uh, one day, they help a devotee unknowingly. You know, maybe it's like one time I used to be I was a grihasta, so they had me drive a lady's Sankirtan van, right? and I got distracted, and I forgot to look at the petrol gauge, and we ran out of petrol on the highway. So then what we did, I was hiding in the back in the van, and then the lady stood next to the van, and within, within one minute, you know, <laughs> some guy stopped, right? and said, oh, we ran out of petrol, and then, like, you know, the guy drove him to the petrol station and, and came back and filled the tank. For a man, that would have taken a little longer. <laughs> 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 anyway, so I was hiding all the time in the back of the van, and uh, then it was okay. Uh, so, why am I telling this now? Uh, what was it? Where, where was I before? Huh? Unconscious spiritual. Uh, Unconscious, yes, yes, thank you. Agyata Sukriti. So this man did some Agyata Sukriti. He didn't know, you know, he's just helping some girls, right? He doesn't know that he's serving Lord Chaitanya's Sankirtan mission and the devote, that he's serving the Vaishnavas and making it spiritual advancement. But he made spiritual advancement. Uh, Srila Prabhupada gave one lecture, and in that lecture, He's saying that, um, points at the microphone, he says, we don't need microphone. And he pushes it away and he says, we're using the microphone to purify the microphone maker. So just think about that. You know, the microphone maker gets purified. Then the table maker, the, 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 the carpet maker, the floor maker, the roof maker, they all get purified. Yeah, all agyata sukriti. So as as in the so part of what devotees do is they offer opportunities for agyata sukriti to people, and once people reach that point of sufficient agyata sukriti, then they can hear, and then they come on the edge where they can make the choice, and they may go up and down a few times, 
as we go up and down a few times. Uh, it's like I kind of, yeah, it's like in the beginning I left all the time. Many, uh, several times I left the temple and it's just difficult, you know. It's like I was in Vrindavan and as the servant of a of a sannyasi and he was very strict and it was really hot and uh, and I got a boil from the heat on the side of my head just here on the temple uh, so I wasn't I wasn't feeling good and I spoke to the sannyasi and I said to the sannyasi he said sometimes you know he said, before Krishna consciousness, I used to live with this girl, and he said, sometimes I'm, uh, I'm remembering her. The sannyasi said, oh, that, may, that will go away with time. It may take some time. Maybe it will take 10 years. And afterwards, I, heard, I didn't hear what he said. I just heard, 10 years, 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. I'm never going to last 10 years. So I had my doubts. Then the next day, uh, in Vrindavan, next to the altar, there were two doors that going down to the basement, and I had some service, so I went in this door, and just then, the head Pujari, who was French, came with his arms full of duty clothes, and as he came to the door, he kicked the door, and the door hit me on the boil on my head, and I saw all the planets in this universe, including, <laughs> including uh, Saturn and everything. And then he says to me, with a sweet French accent, You idiot! <laughs> you idiot! You know, the French, they have a way of saying things, you know. It's, it's got more sting, you know. <laughs> you idiot! You know, can't you see that I am walking here? So, after that, I decided the next morning, during Govindam, Adipurisham, all the devotees were in the temple, but not me. I went out the back door and escaped. What to do? So, my faith was, was weak, you know, it wasn't so strong yet. And... Uh, when some difficulty came, it got just too much, and I left. So, but what happened was, I... Anyway, start the story now, I have to finish it, right? So I went to Benares, you know, I'd been there before, came to Benares, came to the river Ganges, and suddenly this sadhu comes, you know. Now usually, when a sadhu in India comes to a foreigner, he says, what is your name, what is your country, you know. And then he says, can you get some bhakshis? <laughs> yeah. uh, but this one, he didn't do that. He didn't say anything. And he had a string instrument, an ekatar. And I was sitting on, on the stone steps near the Ganga. He came up to me, he sat next to me, didn't say a word, and started chanting Hare Krishna. And I had just escaped the Hare Krishna then. <laughs> and he kept on chanting. 45 minutes. 45 minutes he chanted. It's like, gosh, you know. <laughs> then 
he got up without, he stopped and he left without speaking a word to make it more dramatic, you know. And it's like, whoa, you know. I went to the hotel, and I was like, whoa. Next morning I come out of the hotel, there's a group of Indians, local people, chanting Hare Krishna. Like, oh, I mean, now it's too much, this place is bewitched. I'm getting out of here, you know. But where to go? Krishna's everywhere. So I had, as you see, Krishna was helping me a little, but I had some faith, Krishna's everywhere. And then I thought, you know what, I'll go to the Buddhists, you know, that's probably the safest place. So I went to the Buddhists, right? and I came on the way, I, I drank bad water and I got dysentery. And then it was really bad. I went up the mountain, come to the Tibetan village, and it's like rubber legs. It's really sick. Someone says, go to the Tibetan doctor. So I go to the Tibetan doctor. I come in the waiting room and there's only one chair empty next to someone who's yellow like a banana. I thought, anyway, I gotta sit somewhere, you know. And I tell you what, you know, two weeks later, I was yellow like a banana. <laughs> oh boy. Then I was really out of it. So I went back to Europe and I crashed. First I went to, to uh, my girlfriend, uh, you know, because I said, I can't go to the temple like this, I'll die. They won't take care of me, and she will. So I went there, and I stayed there. And she also got jaundice. Anyway, 13 people got it from me, so it was heavy. Anyway, after I got a little better, then I moved back into the temple. And, uh, but after a little while, it was winter now, and they sent us out. One morning, they called me to the office, and they said, you want to go at 5.30 in the morning, after Mongolari. They said, you want to go on Sankirtan? And I said, Sankir what? <laughs> and I said, like, oh, you'll like it, you get to travel. You know? And we went to travel, and so they said, you want to go? I said, well, I guess, uh, I guess so. Okay, grab your things, you're leaving in five minutes. I left in five minutes. The car drove off and my mind was like a rubber band, like... <laughs> then we drove off and, we came, and I spoke German, you know, so they decided that I should go to the German border. And it's just in this place on the German border. And I just stand on the street for the first day in my life. Oh, it was shaved off, up, they had taken away my coat and gave me a Hare Krishna coat, which was nylon jacket with a... It was yellow and a black stripe in the middle, and then again yellow. I looked like a wasp. And my head shaved up. I felt ridiculous, you know. I had an identity crisis. I mean, I've never looked so ridiculous in my life. And I stood on the street, feeling totally embarrassed. And suddenly, suddenly, there is, in this strange place, on the German border, there is the mother of my girlfriend. She's not supposed to be there. I don't know what she was doing there, you know. I was so shocked, right? And, and she's also totally surprised. First of all, me and my wasp outfit. So she kind of looks from head to toe. And she says, what are you doing here? And I just said, I don't know what you mean, madam. I never, I never met you in my life. <laughs> Which was terrible, 
But you know, once you started something like that, you can't go back. <laughs> I couldn't go back, so I had to go on, you know. So she goes, no, I can't believe it. You don't want to know me. I said, no, you're mistaking me for someone else. <laughs> <laughs> I kept it up. Oh, God. Oh, no. I was mentally broken. That was my first day on Sanka White. <laughs> oh, God. The second day wasn't much better. The second day, we had to load the books at 7.30 in the morning in the van at minus 15. Deadly freezing cold, right? Then this van had a, okay, we're in the van, we're leaving. The van has a, had a compartment and uh, it, that mean, meant the heating was in the front and the back where the boxes were, no heating. The new devotees, me and another one, sitting in the back on the boxes, minus 15, freezing to death, right? while in the front, we could see them through a little window. They had the seven up in the cash, you see. So we were turning green off envy and blue off the cold. Yeah. So the devotees had stolen a shopping cart from a supermarket to move the books around, right? It was in the back of the van. So we stopped at the place. They opened the doors and someone says to me, give the shopping cart. So I'm giving him the shopping cart and he's a real passionate devotee with a red face. And he just rips it out of my hand you know, and my finger got caught. Like it hurts, cold, you know, and ow. So I'm coming out of the van, blowing on my finger. <laughs> he goes, what happened? What happened? I said, my finger, my finger, it got caught. He says, Prabhu, you're not the body. <laughs> I mean, that's what I really like. It warmed me up, I tell you that, right? Then I'm out with this other new bhakta, and this guy, he has only three words. Jai, nectar, bliss. <laughs> Jai, nectar, bliss. And I go, Jai, nectar, bliss, only broke my finger, you know what I mean? <laughs> I said, you know, and you, you know, you'll be in trouble too, because it's minus 15 and you don't have gloves, you know, your hands are going to freeze. Huh? So anyway, I was with John. He says, doesn't matter, Prabhu, I'm not the body. Then I thought, now it's too much. First a fanatic and now a madman. <laughs> I'm getting out of here, you know. I'm getting out of here. So then I told this, this devotee, I said, the bhakta, I said, look, I'm going to go. I've had it, you know. He said, oh, no, you can't go. I said, oh, yes, I can. He said, and you have to give me the mantras for offering boga because I don't know them. He said, I won't give them to you. I said, then I'll eat only boga and it will be your fault and you'll get the karmic reactions. <laughs> so, so he gave me the mantras and I went and I left the mantra and I left with the mantras. So I had some faith some shraddha was there because I had faith in prasadam. I, I had some faith, but I didn't have enough faith to, to stick out the austerity. Uh, I went back to my girlfriend, poor, poor girl, I kept coming and going. And then the story goes on. And I'm going to tell you the rest now or later. Then I got boils on my legs. While I'm on the train back home, I got boils on my legs. 
go into the bathroom, check out my legs, boils as one as big as a tennis ball. Just out of nowhere, you know, like six boils. Still have a scar here, you know. From, from like, there's a serious boil. And uh, yeah, that was uh, like, whoa, he doesn't want me to go. So I was, again, I crashed in my girlfriend's place. After three days, I was getting a little better. And I went, tried to forget the boils, so I said, let's go to the movies. We went to the movies, and there was a movie called American Graffiti. So I said, check it out. So I went to that movie, and in the movie, there's a scene where suddenly there's Hare Krishnas in the streets. I go to the movies, trying to forget Krishna, and there's, a, there's Hare Krishnas in the street. And then they come closer, and you know, there was something wrong. They didn't have the leaf on their nose of the tilak. I said, these are fake Hare Krishnas. These are not real. What's wrong here? Then the next moment, these fake Hare Krishnas go into a bar. They sit at the bar. They order some beers, and some girls come and sit on their lap. And a voice said, it's good to have a drink after a hard day's work. And I go, this is too much. This is outrageous demons. And I could see. There's no escape. There's no escape. So I went back to the temple. Oh well. There's a lot more, but I can't tell you everything all at once. So you can see from you know from these examples how faith is there on the one hand, but on the other hand it's still not strong enough and it's sort of but even though I left. I was thinking, I may perform some sinful activities while I leave the temple, but I'm not going to perform unnecessary sinful activities, so I'll offer whatever I eat. I might smoke a joint. I may break principle number four, what can you do? You know. But why would I get sinful reactions for no reason? So I had faith. I still had faith. And that faith continued working it. And when I saw this movie, yeah, it's upset with the demons for blaspheming the devotees. So my faith brought me back. Mm. Now it's time. It's one thirty. And uh, tomorrow we'll just carry on and it's some more of all this. I hope you find my presentation a little useful.